Thank you so much for visiting us online today. We believe God wants to speak to you through the following message. If you would like to connect with us or send us your prayer request, visit us at kingsgatehobs.com. We're continuing tonight in the book of Acts, chapter 7. But before we put the verse, the beginning verse, on the screen, I want to I tell you something. And I don't know if you've ever heard this, but I want to make sure your doctrine is correct. Scripture talks about, Scripture talks about, Jesus is talking to Peter, and Peter, Jesus, he's speaking to Peter, and he says, you are Peter, right? Cephas or Kepha, you are Peter, and upon, so you're a little rock. So he, the name he's using for Peter is Petros. The Greek word is Petros. It's a little pebble. You're tough, but you're a little rock. You're part of the kingdom of God. You're a little rock. And he says, but upon this rock I will build my church. Or, and upon this rock I will build my church. To understand that, you got to look at the Greek because he's saying, Peter, you're a little rock, but on this rock I will build my church. Because the Greek word that's used there for I will build my church upon this rock is Petra. I mentioned that in prayer tonight. Okay, so there's Petros for Peter and Petra for Jesus. You know the, the parable where Jesus said, the wise man built his house upon the on the rock? That's Jesus, the rock of our salvation. Why would Jesus build his rock upon a human? I mean, why would Jesus build his church upon a human? That doesn't make sense. I've heard different kinds of believers. You say, oh, Catholics? No, not just Catholics. I've heard people, evangelical Christians, Protestants say, no, Jesus built his church upon Peter. Well, that doesn't even make sense. In another, in another verse, Jesus says, I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. So, He's building it. He's building it upon himself, and he always has and always will. Why would he build it upon a human? So I need to just, let's just get that out in the airwaves tonight. You don't believe me? Look at it, even on your Bible app, Bible Hub. You can click on Greek and go to those verses. Because in English, it doesn't seem clear. He says, you're Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church. People say, oh, Jesus built his church upon Peter, a guy who made lots of mistakes. He was a human. Why would God do that? That doesn't make sense. So... I don't know why I said that tonight. It may, may not be for anyone in this house. Maybe it's someone listening to this later on. But Jesus built his church upon himself, God Almighty in the flesh, the rock of our salvation, all right? So that is Jesus, the chief cornerstone, the foundation stone, the rock. He didn't build his church upon Peter, all right? Although Peter was a great man of God. Let's go to Acts chapter 7. So we're in verse 44 tonight, our ancestors carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. You've read about that, right, in those Old Testament books, the books of the law. The tabernacle was basically a collapsible temple. They'd put up the posts and they'd put up the fabrics. It was like a very, very fancy, expensive, well-designed, well-thought-out tent in the wilderness. So they carried the tabernacle with them through the wilderness. It was constructed according to the plan God had shown to whom? Moses. Right? Years later, when Joshua led our ancestors in battle against the nations that God drove out of this land, the tabernacle was taken with them into their new territory. And it stayed there until the time of King David. Someone say King David. The man after God's own heart. Look at this. David found favor with God and asked for the privilege of building a permanent temple for the God of Jacob. Some of this we mentioned last week. I wanted to review it again. But it was Solomon, the son of David, who actually built it. 
Okay? However, however, you guys have heard me talk about this before. I said, yes, this is the house of God for us, but the true house of God is you. You are the building. Scripture says we are the temple of the Holy Spirit, the amazing, amazing miracle of God placing part of himself within you, and he can be everywhere at once. So by your confession of faith, whoever calls upon the name of the Lord Jesus shall be saved. If you confess the Lord Jesus with your mouth and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you are saved. And when you do that in faith, God deposits some of himself within you. So God is for you, he's with you, and he lives inside of you. One of the most amazing things in the universe that God would place himself within you. And you can go around the rest of your life with God inside of you. Look at this. The Most High doesn't live in temples made by human hands. As the prophet says, heaven is my throne and the earth is my footstool. Anyone have, any guys in here? Maybe some of the ladies, you like that? Do you prop your legs up on something at home when you sit down? Any of you? That's a nice feeling, huh? Can you imagine? Heaven is God's throne and the earth is his footstool. Little bitty thing. Could you build me a temple as good as that, God asked? No, I don't think so. But look at this. Could you build me such a resting place? Powerful. Didn't my hands make both heaven and earth? So why would he live in a small temple there, right? Made by humans. You stubborn people. (laughs) Here we go. This is where you start to see that the deacon Stephen, who was full of, remember he was full of wisdom and the spirit of God, and he was powerful, man. Miracles were worked through him. He's, now he's going to go off. Now he's going to preach. He says, you stubborn people, you are heathen at heart and deaf to the truth. He's speaking to the Jewish leaders who were giving him a hard time about Jesus. Must you forever resist the Holy Spirit? That's what your ancestors did, and so do you. Oh, my. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. He's basing this on Scripture. He's not just making it up. Name one prophet your ancestors didn't persecute. They even killed the ones who predicted the coming of the righteous one, the Messiah, hmm, whom you betrayed and murdered. So he says, your ancestors attacked all the prophets always and persecuted them, and they even killed the ones that predicted Jesus coming in the flesh, the, the Messiah, the anointed one. You guys betrayed and murdered him, though. You deliberately disobeyed God's law, even though you received it from the hands of angels, from heavenly messengers. You deliberately disobeyed it. The Jewish leaders were infuriated. Someone say angry. Uh Uh-huh. Infuriated is a strong word. They were infuriated by Stephen's accusation, and they shook their fists at him in rage. That's a pretty good, pretty apt description there. But Stephen, full of the Holy Spirit, gazed steadily into heaven and saw the glory of God. Now, I want you to pay special attention to this verse. And he saw Jesus standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. That is the only time in Scripture that it's mentioned that Jesus was standing at the right-hand side of the Father. Can you imagine you do something in life where God, Jesus Jesus stands up in your honor? Can you imagine? He said he saw Jesus standing. He was about to give his life for the truth of Jesus, and Jesus thought it was fitting that he stood. That blows me away. No other place in Scripture is that mentioned. I wonder if our actions bring Jesus to his feet ever. Just a powerful thought. Jesus was standing at the right-hand side of the Father. Next verse. And he told them, look, uh uh-oh, this ain't good. They're already mad at him about Jesus, right? 
They already don't want to believe that Jesus is in heaven, that Jesus is God. And he told them, look, I see the heavens open and the Son of Man standing in the place of honor at God's right hand. Then they put their hands over their ears and began shouting. They rushed at him and dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. The Jews were notorious for doing this because it was prescribed in the law for disrespect for different reasons. But they used it for their own benefit, for their own good, and they decided to stone him just because they hated what he was saying. They didn't have any legal grounds, even according to the law of Moses, to stone him. Now they claim it was blasphemy. But once again, they were rejecting Jesus, all right, out of hand, just rejecting him. So they dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. This is powerful because Stephen is about to die and go, go to heaven and be with Jesus, who just stood in his honor, and this is transitioning into the story of someone else. His accusers took off their coats and laid them at the feet of a young man named whom? Saul. As they stoned him, Stephen prayed, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. You say, man, that's pretty powerful right there. It's pretty pious. Look at what he says. He goes on to say this, though. This is even better. He fell to his knees shouting, Lord, don't charge them with this sin. And with that, he died. Uh, Yeah, Jesus knew this guy was legit. That sounded very Christ-like to say, Lord, right? Very similar to what Jesus said. Forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. He said, Lord, don't count this sin against them. Saul was one of the witnesses, remember the young man there, and he agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. A great wave of persecution began that day, sweeping over the church in Jerusalem. Does everybody know what persecution is? It's a fancy Bible word for they began oppressing, treating them bad, killing them, tormenting anyone who believed in Jesus. We've only just had a taste of some of that. Remember during covid you can't go to church. You can't have Bible studies. You can't. I remember the emergency message system stuff. You know, the governor was using the emergency message system like a paging system for a while there. The day before Easter in 2020, she said, it's not safe, not even at church. Oh, my goodness. Can you imagine? We saw a little bit of persecution. I don't even know if that's the right word. They, they put a little pressure on us for going to church. But that day, they began killing people killing people for their faith would be would we be ready for that and all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of judea and samaria but here's what's interesting here's what's interesting you know when you're comfortable you don't want to move we talked about footstool a while ago right you got the remote in your hand or whatever it is you're doing or your drink and you're sitting there with your feet propped up, you don't want to move, right? Well, there was amazing revival. People were getting healed. People were getting saved in Jerusalem. And you had all the the brand new believers. They were all hanging out in Jerusalem. But God allowed this to happen. Let's go back a little bit. Go back to the previous verse. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea. That's actually good news, even though it was for a bad reason. They were getting persecuted. They actually started taking the gospel out of Jerusalem. Otherwise, they'd have just stayed there. God used the persecution to take them to the next level. How many of you know that sometimes we're satisfied at this level, but God is not satisfied that you stay at the same place with Him? Did you know it gets that way in marriages sometimes? Jen and I have talked before. 
Jenny and I have talked before, and it's like she looks at me and goes, baby, um, let's just not do the same old. Let's just not do the same old thing. We as men, I speak for us as men. I can't speak for women because, once again, I am a man. That's pretty wise and deep, isn't it? But men get comfortable, and if something works once, then it'll work ten times in their mind. I don't know if, if the other men are like that in here. It's like, hey, that worked. Let's do it again. Oh, that gave you a thrill to go to the movies with me, and we kissed, and, man, we held hands. And, we, you know, I'm talking about you and your wife, men. I said, man, that worked. I'll do it. I'm going to do it again. Okay, it worked twice. It's probably going to work three or four or ten times. Well, you got to keep it fresh and new. There's some things that I just like doing. I'm all, can we go do that again? It's like, again? Let's go bowling again. It was so fun. Yeah, well. God's the same way with you. He says, look. In the Old Testament, he says, behold, I will do a new thing. I will do a new thing. God is the same God. Hebrews 13, 8, Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever. But he, his methods change. I've talked to people over the years, and they say, well, you know, uh, they break out all the, the memories, and it's good. You've got to keep records. You say the, all the journals, they look at what God spoke to me back then. I've seen folks like that said, man, this was the Bible he spoke to me through. And that's good. It's nostalgic. It's good. That's part of your history. That's part of your spiritual legacy. But how many of you know, and I've been there before, he said, you look back and go, wow, man, God really spoke to me through that chapter, but it's just different now. Well, God's, God's taking you to a different place. He's moving you to the next level. They were getting comfortable in Jerusalem. God says, okay, it's time to go now. It's time to go. You know what's crazy about the church of Jesus, the true church of Jesus, the church that believes in Jesus, and they live according to this word right here that you and I are talking about tonight. The more you persecute the church, the church, the body of Christ, the more it grows. Never been anything like that. The more you persecute it and give it a hard time, the more it grows. They believe there are untold millions of Chinese Christians right now living. Basically, they call it the underground church. They go to work. They do their thing. But there are millions of Chinese believers. Why? Because that church has been heavily persecuted. It's against the law to serve Jesus over there in many instances. But they keep serving him. They keep serving him. They keep doing it. Did you know in some places in China they cannot get a full copy of the Bible? So if there is a local church that has a copy or two of the Bible, they tear pages out and they pass them out among the believers and they memorize a page at a time. That's all they have. Talked to believers over the years, said, man, I went to preach in China. Somebody told me years ago. I went to preach in China, said I stood, and we were hidden in this place like a little, it wasn't even an auditorium like this, but they probably packed hundreds in there. It says I was in there in the front row. They were just pressed up against me, and just dozens and dozens and dozens of people, I don't know if it was hundreds, and said I preached one message, and they said keep talking. Please, we just want to hear the words of life. And so the man of God said, he was from America. So they're sneaking around preaching. How cool is that? Said, man, if they catch me, they're going to kill me. That sounds exciting. Some of y'all are like, what? What? Pressed up against people and said, can, can you tell us more? I said, well, that, I've got another sermon for tomorrow. You know, look how Americans are. I have a plan for tomorrow. They said, preach another one. 
The guy said, man, after a while, he preached all of his sermons for the whole visit the first night because they just don't want to give up. They just want if they can meet and they can survive and still be there. I said, preach everything you got. Preach every bit. We want to hear it. We want to soak it up. We want to hear the word. Man, it, you got to twist people's arms to get them to church anymore. Told y'all stories recently. People know where to find the pastor on a Sunday morning. They, I think people have watched my habits. I come early. And they'll come and ask for help. And I'll say, let's, hey, why don't you come to church this morning? Okay, yeah, I'll be there. Told you about a guy a week or two ago, maybe just over a week ago, came to talk to me before church. He said, I'll be there. But he had guts. He didn't show up. And I even brought it up in my message. Then I walked outside the door and he came to my truck. He was watching over here. They said, man, can you still help me? I said, you didn't even come to church like you said. Oh, yeah, you know, I just all this other stuff happened. But when it gets bad, I pray they reach out for the true and living God. I pray. And that's what they did. There was, there was persecution that swept the church in Jerusalem. And all the believers except the apostles were scattered through the regions of Judea and Samaria. And this is powerful because this dispersion, it actually led to the Apostle Paul coming to meet Jesus. And we're going we're gonna, to uh, run into that here in a little while. Not tonight, but we will run into that, where the Apostle Paul is heading to other cities to go persecute some, some people, dragging them out of their homes and taking them to be condemned to death and all kinds of stuff. And Jesus meets him on the road to where? Damascus. So let's continue here. What verse are we on? Is that 8-1? Saul was one of the witnesses. He agreed completely with the killing of Stephen. Great way of persecution that day. Okay, look at verse 2. Some devout men came and buried Stephen with great mourning. Man, what a man of God. They cried over him. Verse 3, but Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. This guy knew the scripture. He could quote it to you. He could probably quote books of the Bible. Many of the kids who study the Torah... D, basically the Old Testament. In the first five books, Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy, they say some of these kids have memorized entire books of the Bible, even now, Orthodox Jews. This guy knew his Bible, his Old Testament Bible. But Saul was going everywhere to destroy the church. He thought he was doing the right thing. He went from house to house, dragging out both men and women to throw them into what? Prison. God says, all right, your turn's coming. Your turn's coming. But the believers who were scattered, here we go. This ties into what we were talking about a while ago. The, those who were scattered, what did they do? They gave up. They joined a local internet club and just played video games. They got on social media 17 hours a day. No. The believers who were scattered preached the good news about Jesus wherever they went. They're like, well, we're on the run, but we might as well testify while we go. That's powerful. Philip, for example, went to the city of Samaria, and he told the people there about the Messiah, about Jesus. Crowds listened intently to Philip. Only God could have done that by his Holy Spirit. But remember that Jesus prepared the way for this. Do you all remember? Remember the woman at the well? Jesus was already preparing. She was Samaritan. Jesus was preparing the way for this. Crowds listened intently to Philip because they were eager to hear his message and see the miraculous signs he did. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. People say, I don't believe in that. You don't have to, but Jesus talked about it, so it's real. He said, 
Those who believe will lay hands on the sick. They'll cast out demons and they will speak with new tongues. That's what Jesus said. So believe it or not, that's what Jesus said. So I believe it. Many evil spirits were cast out, screaming as they left their victims. And many who had been paralyzed or lame were what? Healed. So there was great joy in that city. A man named Simon. Someone say Simon. In the hood they say Simon. Simon means yes. I don't know why. See, man. See? Like see. Simon. I don't know. It's a play on words. A man named Simon had been a sorcerer there for many years, amazing the people of Samaria and claiming to be someone great. Wow, he amazed him with his magic tricks. Everyone from the least to the greatest often spoke to him, uh, spoke of him as the great one, the power of God. Have you noticed that curanderos and curanderas, they say, this is the power of God when they're doing witchcraft? It's not. Reading your poem and doing divination, a bunch of demonic stuff like that, that's not of God. Scripture says, in fact, that that stuff is an abomination. It's detestable and disgusting to God. Why is magic like that disgusting to God? Because it is Satan worship. It's power without God. It's power from the enemy, the dark side. So they listened closely to him because for a long time he had astounded them with his magic. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. Let me say this again. Just because someone says they come from God doesn't mean they did. If what they're doing, saying, or living is contrary to Scripture, it's not good, right? Remember, the serpent showed up in the garden. He was talking all kinds of stuff. Didn't mean God had sent him. He was quoting God even. But now the people believed Philip's message of good news concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ. As a result, many men and women were baptized. Man, they accepted Jesus and said, man, what's next? Next steps in Jesus are to be baptized. Let's get baptized. It's his commandment. Powerful. This is what you call revival and awakening. Then Simon himself believed and was baptized. You know, the former uh, curandero, the warlock, the male witch. He began following Philip wherever he went, and he was amazed by the signs and great miracles Philip performed. Now remember, that was all God's power. You can't control God's spirit, and you can't control his power. You believe, and God does the rest. You obey God, and he does the rest. I remember years ago, someone told me, man, I wish we could control the gifts of the spirit. I'm like, why? So you can make money? So you could, why? why? That's self-serving. It, you are living proof as to why God does not give us the power to control his gifts. Scripture says it is as the Spirit wills, right? When the apostles in Jerusalem heard that the people of Samaria had accepted God's message, they sent who? Peter and John, the great partners in, in the book of Acts. Peter and John, they sent them there, man. These were two of Jesus' top disciples, man. As soon as they arrived, they prayed for these new believers to receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit had not yet come upon any of them, for they had only been baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. So that proves that there is something different about that. You, you are baptized in water, and then you are baptized in the Holy Spirit. Scripture says when you're baptized in the Holy Spirit, that you, the evidence is that you speak in new tongues, in heavenly language, okay? What's the next verse say? Then Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. How do you receive a gift from God? You say, thank you. And people say, man, well, what do I, how do I receive a gift? Well, if I got $10, you're not going to struggle to take it. You won't. 
I mean, you may say, oh, you don't have to do that. You don't have to do that yet. But I'll say, okay, it's in your hands now. It's yours. Do what you want with it. Tithe. Tithe a dollar. And the other nine's yours, right? But we complicate it sometimes because we say, well, what do I do next? And I, I did too. I received the baptism of the Holy Spirit at age 13. I was a little scared, and I complicated a little bit. said, how do I do it? Someone reached over to me and said, just believe. Don't be scared. Just believe. Now speak in a heavenly language. Wow. Peter and John laid their hands upon these believers, and they received the Holy Spirit. When Simon saw, remember Simon, the sorcerer, the ex-male witch? When Simon saw that the Spirit was given when the apostles laid their hands on people, uh, he offered them money to buy this power. Whoops. That sounds dumb, doesn't it? He didn't know any better. Let me have this power too, he exclaimed, so that when I lay my hands on people, they will receive the Holy Spirit. Look at the Apostle Peter now. But Peter replied, may your money, I like how it says in the older translations, he says, may your money perish with you. You know what that means in modern Hobbes English in New Mexico, in America? You can die with your money. He says here, may your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. That just proves you don't charge people for forgiveness of sins. You don't charge people to get into heaven. You don't charge people for healing. We give tithes and offerings out of the goodness and abundance of our hearts so we can be blessed. But we, mm -mm, that's wrong. There are, did you know there's some religions that say, hey, man, give me, give me money and we're going we're gonna to pray. You had a relative that died. You give me money and we're going to pray them into heaven. That's not scriptural. That's not scriptural. Be careful with that. That is, a, that, that is an abomination to God. Can you imagine charging for the gift of God? Peter replied, May your money be destroyed with you for thinking God's gift can be bought. You have no part in this, for your heart is not right with God. At least Simon responded correctly, I think, here, here in a minute. We'll see. He says, Repent of your wickedness and pray to the Lord. Perhaps he will forgive your evil thoughts. Peter's still talking to Simon. For I can see that you are full of bitter jealousy and are held captive by sin. Pray to the Lord for me, Simon ex exclaimed, that these terrible things you've said won't happen to me. That's a pretty humble response. What does the next verse say? I'm going to stop on this verse. This will be it for tonight. After testifying and preaching the word of the Lord in Samaria, Peter and John returned to Jerusalem. And they stopped in many what? In many Samaritan villages, God is moving among the Samaritans, the mixed Jewish people. Many Samaritan villages along the way to preach the gospel, otherwise known as the good news. We got down to, um, we got down to Acts 25 tonight. Are there any questions or comments? I didn't think there would be. Let's pray together. Go ahead and bow your heads and close your eyes. Father, we thank you for the word that you've given us. Thank you that we have free access to your word. We don't know if we will always have it. But while we have it, we're going to study it. We're going to learn it. We're going to live it. We're going to love it. We're going to believe it, most importantly, God. We choose to believe tonight. If there's anyone at the sound of my voice on the live stream or in this house who says, you know what, I just need to make sure my heart is right with God, would you raise your hand, please, in this house? Or if you're on the live stream, we will pray in just a moment. You need to make sure your heart is right with God. Repeat this prayer with me tonight. Everybody at the sound of my voice, say, Heavenly Father, I believe, but I want to live like I believe. Forgive me for my sin, Lord. 
cleanse me by the blood of Jesus. I know Jesus is my Savior, but I need Him to be my Lord. Jesus, I confess you as my Lord, my number one, my God. Say, I thank you for dying and rising again. And I receive your forgiveness. Thank you for salvation. Thank you for righteousness. Say this. Say, thank you for holiness. Say it once again. Say, I believe in Jesus' name. Before I pray for you, let me just give a brief word that I feel God is laying on my heart. This is your season. I don't know who's listening to this in the house or on the live stream or later on on a podcast or recording. But this is your season. Not next season, not last season. Last season is done. Seasons change with God. He created the earth to have times and seasons. So in the same way, that's, that's how your life goes. There are times and seasons. But God is saying to you tonight, son, daughter, this is your season. You may still have to wait on some certain things and some answers to prayer, but this is your time, your moment, and your season. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day where you start to see God answering your prayers. There will always be something that you're believing God for and waiting for. That's just part of the faith journey. But God is going to begin to answer your prayers today, tonight. You'll see it. Get ready. You say, even in small areas? Uh Uh-huh. Even the small things are miracles because it's another answer to prayer. Other things you may have to hold on to for a while and believe. Don't give up. But God answers prayers in different ways at different times so that your faith will increase. Jesus said, you will ask anything in my name according to his will, right? And you'll receive it and your joy will be full. When you get an answer to prayer, it gives you great joy and excitement and hope. Scripture says we go from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Faith to faith. I don't stop believing just because the last thing took a while to be answered, or I'm still waiting on the last thing. No, we trust God, we believe, we don't give up on it. We pray according to His will, He hears us, Scripture says. So pray according to His will. Say, what is His will? His word is His will. That is His covenant. Last will and testament The only time in history someone had a will written out, old and new testament, old and new will, and came back to make sure it was administrated. Came back and made sure it was executed. Came back and made sure it was taking place and being done, every bit of it. Jesus died and rose again and said, the will that I've given you, that's what I want you to live now. We have his will, and he came back to perform it because he's a God who keeps his word. Thank you, Father, for what you're doing in our lives. Thank you for the next season, but thank you for right now because there's excitement and hope for tomorrow. Thank you right now, God. Today is the day of salvation. We're seeing family being saved. We're seeing doors open up. We're seeing hearts being changed. Lord, we're renewing our minds with your help by the Spirit of God. We're not following and imitating the customs of the world, God. We are imitating Jesus, and I thank you for that tonight. I give you glory for your word. In Jesus' name, in Jesus' name, somebody said, amen.